You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! Hello, folks. It's Mike and Kristen here for another episode of our podcast, also titled Mike and Kristen. That's clever. Yeah, we're pretty smart. It took us a while to come up with that name. It actually did take us a while to come up with that (laughs) name, come to think of it. We had a few broader name suggestions initially, but we just narrowed it down to the most simple thing that we could uh, possibly have, and it's it's working out for us. I was talking with another artist recently about name, like what name they should go by and just using your own given name is often i like just going by Kristen harrington or mike and Kristen. yeah it gives it's, some it's yeah it's a familiarity it's a, it's huh? a choice to to make sometimes you want to be kind of more uh i guess um whimsical i guess that could be the word but like i was gonna call my business blue unicorn we applied for something as blue unicorn before yes yeah, so i was just test driving that name yeah but just landed on good old Kristen Harrington. But uh, Mike and Kristen episode 70 what? 70 something 70 today. Something. 72, I think. And we have two incredibly awesome people, Katie and Brad, one of the most inspiring couples I've ever met, really. Pretty starry-eyed after that conversation. They're very humble, and so they might think that that's a silly thing for me to say, but they truly are just... Really like, mind-blowing, impressive people like, and kind and, yeah. It wasn't until, like, the last 10 seconds of the conversation. Like, oh, yeah, you also swam the English Channel, Brad, climbed Mount Denali, is that what it is? Like, you did all these incredible physical feats. He won, won this competition on CBC, Canada's Ultimate Challenge. Like, we didn't even talk about that. I know. Well, and we acknowledged that at the beginning of the interview, especially with both of them being here together, that their resumes are so robust. And I, I don't like to just focus on people's achievements. It's really more of, of their their lifestyle and their attitude is what really impressed me today. So. You can read somebody's bio and raise questions about different milestones in their life, which they have had many. But what really struck me about them both was their attitude and their advice and just the way that they live day to day is what I really wanted to talk about. They're really goal driven and inspiring, like not even not trying to be inspiring, but just you see what they do and how they accomplish everything they they uh, they tackle and it just is lifts you up it speaks to the power of having clarity and ambition to follow through on that i think sometimes we get stuck in what comes next because you haven't given yourself the time and attention to really first off know yourself know what your values are know what's important to you and then figure out how to implement that and so brad is Uh, the owner of Purple Cow Internet, which a lot of our listeners would likely be familiar with. And it was really more about his values that that company was born. It had less to do with 
his love for the internet. Yeah. And Katie, too, with the We Are Young Association. So she is helping senior citizens realize uh, a dream or a wish, much like the Make-A-Wish Foundation with the IWK. And that, too, was the outcome of a value of hers, a personal experience she had that led to this just incredible offering and success. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they're both amazing and love chatting with them. Getting to know them, getting to, you know, hang out in their energy for a little bit of time. That's right. Yeah, we're vibing in it still. So, yeah, we're very lucky that they were able to take some time out of their busy day for us and their newlyweds, which is very yeah. exciting. Yeah. So huge congratulations to them. And also want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Steph McNamara, who has been on the show a couple of times yeah. now and We're a fan of hers, and she helped us make the connection with this amazing couple. Let's get into it. We like treats. (laughs) (laughs) So what's what's going on? We have uh, an amazing couple sitting in front of us, Kristen. Well, I'm not the amazing couple. I don't know about that. Come on. (laughs) Give yourself more credit. Couple number one, couple number two. No, but really, Kate and Brad, thanks for... uh, I call you Kate. Do you... I get Kate. Go by Kate? Yeah, or... I like Kate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That just rolled off the tongue, yes. so I should have asked permission there. But... No, 50% of my friends go Kate. <laughs> it's forever Kate now. It's forever Kate. Yeah. K-Dog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a natural, you know how Hollywood mushes the names together, but uh, we don't really have that, like, Krikal or Mariston. Mariston. Do you guys yeah. have one? Uh Brady? Bradley, Bradley, uh, Okay, look, uh, yeah, that's fine. I'll <laughs> we'll go with that. Cadley, it okay. is. Yeah, this is a challenge. We're open to audience suggestions on yeah. this one. Yeah, to Hollywoodify us. I like that. Let's go. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, <laughs> and you guys are recently married. Congratulations. Yes. Thank yes. you. Yeah, it's been really cool. Like, if you haven't gotten married before, I would suggest it. It's not only the lead up. It, well, the lead up was like pretty terrible in the sense, like trying to prepare and the stress and all the things. But then, like when the day comes, it just becomes totally worth it. It really does. That's like, great. Why do you money, say energy. that? Like you feel like you felt like you could just kick back and be present. In some ways, yeah, you could kick back and be present. But it's just like I still remember the moment when she turned the corner and started walking down the aisle, and it's just Aww. like everything, mm-hmm. all the stress, the people, the invitations, the you get all the meals right, just gone it was just like solely focused on that moment and that's worth all the money and energy put into it that's amazing yeah i'd also say i said this to our mutual friend steph when i asked her to photograph her wedding i said i want something that doesn't fuel our ego but fuels our soul and i think being able to just let go and not care about anyone's expectations um couldn't agree more those skinny dipping photos were epic (laughs) epic can't believe she stayed that late no but it was like a three-day affair at a kids camp where you know you had your best friends stay in cabins and we're all kind of stuck in one spot for three days and it was bonfires and it was kids games and it was you know connecting people who play such a huge 
important role in our lives all come together and meet for the first time. Like we were told before we got married that this will be the best day of your life. And we're like, that's, Joke, that's so silly. Like, yeah, that sounds dumb. there's so many more days ahead and I'm sure we'll have great days ahead, but we just couldn't buy it because how, how can that be um, that it's one day that, you know, will be the best day of your life. And man, they were totally right. Nailed it. Yeah. It's yeah. number exactly. one for both of you. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, I'm so thrilled you feel that way. Yeah. And yeah. and I love how you described Steph, our friend Steph McNamara would have been the absolute perfect person to capture exactly as you've described. Yeah. So oh, I'm happy man. that she's connected us as well I in know. some way. So we're here shout now. out to Steph. And shout out to Steph. Yeah. We eloped on a beach in Jamaica. Whoa. And we, the only photo we got was from a drug dealer who was standing in the water there and we asked him to get one. But uh, our friend Steph, who took photos of your wedding, she found out that we didn't have any photos of that moment. And uh, her and another photographer, Aaron, they volunteered to do this five-year anniversary wedding shoot. So five years later, we got like the best pictures you could ever imagine. And, uh, And we didn't have to like rush or anything. We could just hang out and let them kind of direct us and we have these was it in jamaica no no it was in our backyard (laughs) mock jamaica (laughs) it's kind of jamaica the 10 year anniversary we'll all fly to jamaica i think did the drug dealer make it back for the five years (laughs) yeah we we invited it got the invitation (laughs) (laughs) so where did you first meet that led to this moment of joy not so long ago with your wedding day oh should should I tell the story or should you tell the story? So Katie was uh, taking a Dale Carnegie course, which is like a leadership course and she's obviously trying to improve herself. My aunt was working there as a facilitator and my aunt picked her out of the crowd because in this course, you, you're pretty vulnerable telling about past experiences, some of your hopes, wishes, and also some of your fears. Um, so you really get to know someone, fast friends, as we, we chatted about yeah. earlier. And um, so my aunt was like, wow, this girl is great. Like, man, she'd be great for my nephew. I just recently moved home from living in the States for the past 10 years. And so with uh, with a little encouragement from Katie's mom and uh, my aunt um, and my aunt talking to me, I reached out to her on Facebook and we chatted on Facebook and went on a first date and it, and it didn't take long. After the first date, I was like, yep, okay. Like this girl, she knows what she wants. She like got her goals. Um, and I think on the third date, I asked her to be my girlfriend. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was stressful. <laughs> but you know what was really cool? Um, I always thought that I would, like, just had an intuitive feeling that I would find the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with in this course. And I wanted to take it for six years, but it only occurred, like, once a year. And every time before, you know, the year that I took it, I wasn't available to uh, to go and the year that I did take it was the only year that his aunt was a part of the Dale Carnegie course. Yep. So like literally stars had to align to make that happen. And it's just really cool that it wasn't just a feeling. It was actually a, a manifestation of mm-hmm. something. So you went there and then what did you tell your mom after the first day? Well, after the first day, I said, you know, how I thought I would, you know, find the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. I did not <laughs> find the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with, but the world would have it that it works in different ways. And it was a connection through his aunt, who was a facilitator in class, too, that connected the dots. 
This has been a huge lesson for me, especially in the last year and a half, taking on a new venture, career venture, is that sometimes the man- the things that we aim to manifest just look different than what they thought mm-hmm. they would. But time and time again, things have been realized in my life. I've just had to be, the gallery is an, a perfect example of that, that it looks different than what I thought it was going to, but it's exactly what I actually needed instead of this sort of perfect version that maybe mm-hmm. I had in mind to start with. So well said. I love that this has been your story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I'm only 30, but I definitely... That was some marriage advice we got. Yeah. The expectations, like, you know, you have expectations of how things are going to be. They're not going to be that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. You know, shit's going to happen. Yeah. Has self-development been something that has been integral in both of your lives? Like, do you feel like that's something that you connected on? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, so when I knew I wanted Katie to be my partner is we were taking this little boat ride over to McNabb's Island. And I am a super goal-orientated person. Like goals drive my life. It gives me focus, purpose, and something to work towards. And one of the first questions <laughs> I normally ask people when I meet them is, what are you working towards? Mm-hmm. What are your goals? What do you want in life? And I asked her and bang, bang, boom, I want to be in Antarctica by the time I'm 30. I'm working to take this charity across Canada. And I was like, oh my gosh. And she listed off a bunch of other things. I'm like, she's got to figure it out. You know, most people don't even know. Like, maybe they're like, oh, I want to spend more time at the beach this summer. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Not really what I'm going for. But, um, you know, I think we connect over that for sure. It's a great conversation starter, too. Yeah. What are your goals, Brad? Oh, dude, you got a, got a long list here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get at it. <laughs> like, um, things I'm working towards, I would love to build hotels in space. That's like the overarching thing, something I'm working towards and putting the pieces together. Um, I'd love to be in the 2026 Olympics doing a sport called ski mountaineering. Yeah. So I train for that physically and I own an internet service provider called purple cow internet. And I'd love to make that the biggest, greatest internet service provider here in Nova Scotia and the Maritimes to try to drive down the overall cost of internet. And while doing all that, I'd love to be an amazing partner to Katie. I'd love to have awesome kids, as many as possible and also support my community. Gosh. You guys both do so much. Mike and I actually grappled with how are we going to simultaneously interview two people that could probably have six or seven individual episodes. So I already know that it's not going to be possible to cover all of the things that you both represent and that you do, but at least want to highlight, you know, we'll talk about the highlight reel at the very least. And Katie, I want to start with you because I I've known about We Are Young uh, which will maybe start there okay. for a number of years. And it's something that I don't know if I stumbled upon it or just kind of had this mutual interest and went looking for this thing that I didn't realize existed. Oh, Come awesome. to find you and all the great work you've done and was just enamored with this idea and the giving that you have been able to offer to this population that. Mike and I can talk about our own experience, too. I'm sure that will weave into the conversation. But I'd love for you to talk about sort of the inspiration for starting uh, this association and a little bit about how it functions. Yeah, um, I'm excited to hear your guys's connection to seniors. But for me, and I, I never really share this part of it. I remember I, I talked about my brother earlier his name is Jeff, and um, he was always doing cool things as a kid, like always 
being innovative and creating new projects and just had like that creative outlet. And I was always envious of it because I wanted something like that. And I remember him saying to me early on, like, you know, you don't go looking for it. It'll come find you eventually. So I just held on to that. And I've been very fortunate to have grandparents who grew up, who I grew up with and they lived until their mid nineties, which is, was rare, um, is rare for a lot of people. And I just, I always saw them having a revolving door of love and support. Like literally they were the house that was central. Like they were in the West end of Halifax. They were central to everyone. And there was always a car on the driveway visiting them. And so I just grew up with this perception that, gosh, like all seniors must be supported the way that they are in society. And then it wasn't until I was in my last year of university, I was studying marine biology and sustainability at Dow. And I was nominated through a Facebook challenge to do an act of kindness. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was just kind of a pay it forward. Um, You did a pay it forward and then you would nominate other people to continue the trend. And so I was up next and life would have it that I had just met a senior who was well into her 80s. And I just saw her doing selfless acts for other people, whether it be volunteering at a homeless shelter. You know, she's five five feet tall, 100 pounds soaking wet. I saw her bringing baked goods to the staff at a new job that I started at. And immediately my reaction when I was nominated for this act of kindness was, I, I've got to do something for her. And so we hung out for the day and I just learned a lot about her trials and tribulations and just life challenges. But um, what I learned most was that that was the first day in years that someone took the time to make a day about her. And that was, you know, a punch to the stomach because that's when I realized that my perception on how seniors were supported in society was not necessarily reality. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but I was 22. 21 at the time, I've had countless experiences and bucket list items that I've checked off my list at a very young age that had dawned on me that this is a very selfless generation that quite literally made so many sacrifices to ensure our futures were bright that they never took the time to make their dreams and aspirations come true. And I knew knew that there was a, um, a, a charity for children and granting wishes to children, but one didn't exist for seniors. Mm. And so I thought, okay, like this, this is the thing. Like this is the the thing my brother was talking about that would come find me. And so, you know, I just put one step in front of the other, and I had just met Kara Chisholm, the other co-founder of the charity. In the back of a kitchen at a restaurant, um, she had just started working there. Both of us were trying to, you know, pay our way through school. And I was training her. And, you know, what do you ask someone who you don't know? And I just said, what do you want to do with your life? And she said, well, I'm studying gerontology hmm. at the Mount. And I just want to help people. And she's from Cape Breton. So mm-hmm. obviously, Cape Breton, they have the biggest hearts. Good people, right? Good the people. Best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew I could trust her. <laughs> And um, as soon as I kind of started with Way in the first fundraising event, she reached out to me immediately and she said, I want to I want to walk this path with you. Like, can can we build this together? And sure enough, eight years later, she's uh, she's stuck with me. She's my best friend. She's my sister. And then on top of that, we've built an incredible team that has just kind of pushed our passion forward. And we're here today 
you know, it's our job and we've granted uh, close to 50 wishes now. And yeah, we're, we're growing exponentially, but we're really, what we're trying to do when we grant every wish is not just to support an individual senior, but to showcase a much broader narrative that, you know, our seniors are, are faced with age-related barriers, but it's not those barriers that are preventing them from living a fulfilling life. It's us as a society not supporting them. And how can we shift societal perception by using wishes to demonstrate that at any age, you know, seniors can accomplish anything. They can jump out of an airplane at 96 mm. years young. You know, how do we work towards positively shifting societal perception and, and changing the way that we view, value, and support this generation? That was a TED Talk. I'm sorry. That was very you know, special. You actually granted a wish towards someone I know, someone oh. from my hometown, Andy Sarka. Yes. His uh, his kids I grew up with. Oh, and, cool. Uh, okay. I've gotten rides in the past from Halifax to Cape Breton with Andy. He's a super nice man. And I watched the video of him going to the, the Leafs game. <laughs> like He's the biggest fan imaginable. Fan. And... And it's something that's like a lot of people might take something like that for granted, like just going mm-hmm. to a hockey game. Yeah. Like, but Andy's one of the biggest hockey fans in the world, but never been to one. So something simple like that, just going a little bit uh, on a journey out, outside of Cape Breton and getting to see his favorite team, like that's something you might not think would make someone's day, but that yeah. made him incredibly happy, right? Uh, yeah, it's indescribable um, how many wishes people are surprisingly um, shocked at, like what the wish requests are yeah. and, and how impactful and meaningful the wish is for that wish wish recipient. Um, you know, it builds their self confidence. It makes them not feel forgotten, and it it just it reaffirms that they, they can still get after the things that they want in life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a- Andy's a prime example of that for sure. Yeah. It's a really beautiful way of acknowledging sort of this overlooked part of our population. Mm-hmm. And I think not only are you offering this hands-on experience, but like you described, it's the, it's really about the narrative underneath of that too, that is meant to be important is meant to be consumed for us as the public when we witness these wishes that you're granting. I was really taken with one of the stories uh, of a woman who just wanted to be together with her family Mm. for the weekend. And I thought about how at that time in your life, or maybe any time in your life, for that to be the one thing, that if you could ask for one thing, for that to have been what she chose was just so meaningful Uh, You know, and you also have lots of like jumping out of an airplane or a lot of helicopter flights, like daring things that maybe, I don't know, are you finding that some of these more adventurous choices were looking back on their lives and reflecting on, I wish I had done this when I was younger? Like, is there kind of this common feedback for people choosing that particular type of wish? That's a great question. Yes, for sure. Um, a lot of people didn't have the confidence or the support like we are supported today with going after our, our, our goals. Um, I had a, a lady who's always wanted to ride on a Zamboni since she was five. <laughs> Love it. Crazy, right? Um, but she grew up, you know, uh, being told that a Zamboni, riding a Zamboni was for boys. Like hockey was a boy sport. 
You know, you'd be silly to get on there as a girl mm. and do that. And she she held on to that dream her whole life. Like she she was, I think, 76. Her name's Colleen. And um, she was at her grandson's hockey game and she watched Zamboni go on the ice. And another hockey grandmother who was sitting next to her knew about her organization and she didn't know. And she just verbally expressed that she's always wanted to do that. And um Sure enough, a, a wish application was submitted through that conversation, and I was I was present during that wish. We put her on a zamboni in one of the um, intermissions for the Halifax Mooseheads. Oh, nice! And she got off that zamboni. She said, "You know, she got so emotional, and mm. she said, you know, my my parents are are definitely looking down at me. Like I can feel their presence, and they'd be yeah. so proud that I finally made this happen for myself. And it's just like, yeah, what a gift, yeah." must be highly emotional being in those moments yeah and now oh everybody's gonna cry now yeah thank you thank you for doing that yeah it's 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 hard not it's hard not to get emotional because i think we forget that you know they're no different than you and i and if anything you know it's it's not a value to them of what we're doing. It's the value that they offer us and we it's lost in society and more conversations need to be had with that generation because we just have so much to learn from them and, and how we, you know, move through our own path in life. That's amazing. It's congrats and just what you're doing is helping so many people. So yeah, huge, uh, Huge props to you and your whole team for what you're doing, and it's it's an amazing thing. Thank we've you. we've had uh, by one uh, twist or turn of fate, we had an elderly woman kind of fall into our laps, where we became uh, her her guardian. I guess you were her power of attorney. Well, um, it's a kind of a long story, but Kristen's grandfather was originally in politics. He was an MLA and uh, was ended up look, looking out for this kind of really poor couple that didn't have much. Um, and he was kind of bringing them water, bringing them food, just the only, one of the only people who would visit them. Mm-hmm. He ended up passing away. Then Kristen's grandmother took over. She looked after them for years. <laughs> then she passed away. Kristen's mom took over. I might have the order reversed here, but um, your mom took over when she passed away. They were essentially handed down to us. And it was like, why why should we help them? No, we didn't really think like that, but it just felt like such a weird thing. Like, we're not connected to them. They're not our family. It's just this random woman who's four foot eight and the meanest, crankiest person in the world. But because we learned that we come to find out she had the most horrific abuse laid in life and just all these horrible things happened to her. But we became, in her life, the only people that she trusted. Wow. Like we... It's powerful. It speaks to what you were explaining from your brother mm-hmm. sharing that these, you know, opportunities present themselves in your life, however that might look. And going back to this look different than maybe what we thought. But yeah, before my mom passed away, I knew that 
this this caretaking role was on her mind. It was something that would need to be sorted out. And so I just asked her, like, would you like for me to take over looking for Jesse? And mm-hmm. she sort of said, well, I think you have to. Like, it wasn't even there's another option on the table. Yeah. It was like, there's nobody else that really even knew that she was alive. Oh. And... So Mike and I, yes, we became like we would drive down to the Annapolis Valley a couple hours from here every weekend and take she loved coloring. So we would take her coloring books and yeah, food and water. We did all of her like paying bills and doctor's appointments. And I think it was a unique experience to have because it wasn't out of it wasn't family like the obligation wasn't there because you felt like, oh, this is something I had to do. And while it might sound like. We had to because of my family history. It really taught Mike and I so much about ourselves. Uh, I guess playing that role, but spending a lot of time with seniors mm-hmm. because she ended up in a couple of different seniors' homes. She did get kicked out of one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's, it gives us a lot of humor as well and, you know, stories that they have and ways that they look at the world. And so I think it was actually around that time that I discovered We Are Young. Cool. Uh, because it was, I had the recognition of the loneliness mm-hmm. that she would have experienced if we weren't there. And that was sort of my aha moment of like, there's got to be other people like her out there that are falling totally. through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then come to find out that I know that you're not doing, you know, home care or that aspect of things, but just the recognition, I guess, is what really drew me into the work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's awesome, guys. Um, that's a really, really, really cool story. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's so interesting because there's so much support for seniors as it relates to care. Um, but doing what we do, it just kind of amplifies and, and gives seniors a, more of a voice outside of that care um, and to showcase, you know, that they're human and they need connectedness and social support. But, yeah, it's um, it's scary to think how many other seniors have slipped through the cracks that we don't yeah. even know about. Um, but we're just hoping that, you know, people listening to a podcast such as yours or watching one of our videos, you know, when they see maybe a senior that isn't necessarily related to them, maybe it will provoke them to start a conversation and who knows what will turn into that relationship, right? Mm -hmm. You talked about you're observing a lot of seniors in that population not having grown up in a place where their goals were supported. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at two very goal-orientated people. So (laughs) Brad, I want to switch to you and talk about like how did you develop such ambition? Was it something that you felt was completely different from that generation in that your parents were actually encouraging you? Or is this just like, out of the womb, I'm taken on the world? Yeah, I I would say my childhood is pretty standard, pretty normal. I grew up in Hans County. There's nothing necessarily notable. Um, I played all the sports in school. I won athlete of the year. So like, that was maybe a a sh- like a, a starting point of it because I was never really good at sports. I would just try really hard. Mm-hmm. And in university, I got recruited to go down to the United States and knock doors to sell alarm systems. And I don't know if you knocked doors before. <laughs> Knocking doors sucks. I worked in politics, so <laughs> yeah, okay. I knocked on a lot of doors. <laughs> you don't know what's on the other side of that door. <laughs> there was a naked man one time. Yeah. 
bonus. Okay, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the stories, man, like people had guns on that. That was down in the United States and yeah. in California. And I would be chased down the street. Like it was, it was a wild experience. But um, it was an experience that took me totally out of my comfort zone. And I ended up starting a business with one of my buddies from that. And uh, I remember him asking me one day if I wanted to run a marathon with him. And I will never forget this day because if there was a turning point in like my athletic pursuits, this would be it. And he asked me if I'd run a marathon and I like him that hauled about like marathon. Like, I don't even know how far that is. And he, how long does it take? And he explained it all to me. And I was like, all right, sure, let's do it. And, you know, he's like, awesome. And it's like Wednesday today. And it's like, it's this Saturday. Oh, like, oh great. So I went on a pair of running shoes running uh, shorts t-shirt i like look the part you know i remember we we're at the starting line gun goes off no big deal you're running with your buddy soon you get separated and you're kind of by yourself and uh the pain the pain starts setting in when you're so you far. you wait a second you were trying to do a full marathon on three days Dude, notice? I, I didn't train yeah i wasn't a runner at all like i was just a normal kid that played like soccer and stuff growing up so I had no past running. My first race is a marathon. However, I would say that Brad has the strongest mind of, of anyone you will ever meet. Clearly. Yeah. And I, I've exercised it a lot. And this is like kind of one of those points, like when that pain started to set in and like I'm thinking like, holy crap, like why do people do this? Is this supposed to be fun? Like this is not fun. Yeah. And you kind of get presented with this question. And this question comes in a lot of times in life and when Katie's setting up her organization or, or you're pursuing uh, another gig or you're deciding, do I open up this, uh, this new gallery? You know, it's like, should I do this? Is this the right move? Like that moment of doubt sets in and you have to make that decision to like carry on. And I had that moment of doubt and decided that, you know, not going to worry about the pain, just going to pocket that, think about it later and just keep moving one step in front of the other. And I was able to like keep going and keep going and got through the pain and i tell you it was it was such a liberating experience to cross that finish line and know that holy crap like i just ran a marathon not only did i run a marathon i was only a few minutes away from qualifying for boston <laughs> and i didn't even freaking train who are you it was just it was just it was, a, it was a crazy experience and it led me down this path of okay like let's look at the macro view here so many times in life, we're told that we have to do X, Y, and Z to accomplish the next step. Whether it's like, oh, you want to buy a house, you got to get married first, you got to do this, whatever the case is. And I felt like I just, for my life, just destroyed that. And I questioned what else in life are we told we have to do X, Y, and Z before you can actually pursue your goal. Mm -hmm. And I've been on this path setting these ridiculously stupid <laughs> high goals and then just seeing what happens and this is how we got to me being 37 years old now trying to go to the olympics in 2026 for a sport in skiing that i've never been a skier other than skiing in martok and it's fun it gets me out of bed and um so i wouldn't say i was naturally born with like the ability to try to chase these goals i think it, i just stumbled upon it and enjoyed it and actually uh like the the pain it brings because uh, you come out the other end with so much reward. I, I, I'm i looking at Mike right now because I this is one of the first interviews we've done where I just I have 10 million questions and I'm just trying to sort out in real time <laughs> where to start with you. But 
I want to talk about the running before we move on to the Olympic training. Um, because I too am a long distance runner or nice. was mm. and have trained twice in the traditional way yeah. for the marathon. I, on both training experiences, got injuries during the taper week. But mm. I want to talk about, let's leave that aside and talk about this gritty mindset. Mm. Because for me, that was the most joyful, addictive part mm-hmm. of the experience. Eventually, it had very little to do with the running and like my body and body composition and all that stuff. I started to really crave the pain. Oh, yes. To Mm. work through. Yes. yes. And it's something that if you're maybe not athletic or maybe it has nothing to do with athleticism even, and we can talk about that, but there's something that happens with pushing yourself beyond your perceived boundaries that I feel like we don't talk about enough in this world. People aren't encouraged to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. as much as they could or should. There's so much benefit. And like, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about like how euphoric you feel being in pain, being in discomfort and overcoming that. We just don't let ourselves get to that point. And I remember while I might have succumbed to injuries, the last run I did on my last training We had a tropical storm here in Nova Scotia and my schedule said I was supposed to run 30 kilometers that day. And I went to my training (laughs) route and I was like, this is insane. Like roads were closed and, you know, it was pouring rain. Like just, I was soaked as soon as I got out of the car. I ran all 30 kilometers and I felt like, well, I couldn't run again after that for six months (laughs) because I had injured myself, like something that just got more and more worn down. It's a moment and experience I'll never forget because of how proud I was of myself and how amazing I felt because of all these things working against me. I was glad it was a torrential downpour mm. when it was done. I was glad that it was 30 kilometers in the torrential downpour, not a 10K day. There was this piebald deer, like a rare deer that came out at one point that I was struggling and we kind of had this moment and gave me a little bit of inspiration to keep going and I've often reflected on that too, how back to these things coming into your life as opportunities, Mm -hmm. like you have to be open to them looking different and taking different shapes. And, you know, for me in that day, it was the deer that came out and you kind of get a roll with it. So thank you for talking about the mindset piece. I think it's huge. And it's something that we don't really talk about Mm -hmm. that much. We're designed to live a life of comfort Mm -hmm. and convenience. And it doesn't work for a lot of us. It's no, not healthy. You're, you're totally right. And in fact, so Katie has quite the athletic background as well. Like when we met, she's already ran a few marathons and she's trying to do all the major marathons. And, you know, I, I told her I always wanted to do this one race down in, in the Amazon <laughs> jungle. And we started training for that. And it was a ton of fun training. We went down to, down to South America. We didn't end up running it because I got food poisoning. Just the smoothie at the market looks so good. <laughs> that was my it, fault. Huh? Liquado. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's addictive. And um, yeah. I think Katie can speak to that too. Like um, when you start to run, you start working towards a big goal and you can start seeing yourself inching closer and closer. And, and this takes you outside of the normal realm on what we're supposed to do. And I do that in air quotes because I don't know what the heck is normal. Um, it really fires you up. Mm-hmm. It makes you want to keep pushing and keep going. Is it that feeling that led you to want to train for the Olympics? Like, 
I knew I was addicted to pain when I was doing this race called the Iditarod. Now, the Iditarod is a thousand mile dog sled race across Alaska. I moved there for two years to train and prepare for it. And it is grueling. You're sleeping outside in the snow in your minus 40 sleeping bag. You're with these dogs. You're 14 of them, feeding them and like loving and caring for them. And I could just talk for an hour and something on the Iditarod, but just imagine how grueling and minus 40 temperatures are. You dehydrate it, malnourished and just sleep deprived that you're, you're straight up hallucinating. I'm seeing like a city with skylights and I'm seeing elves running around. <laughs> Anyways, when I finished this race, I was like, man, I want a burger. I want a rum and Coke. I want to have a hot shower. I want to do all the things and become normal again. And I remember finishing, going right to get a shower, turn it on, got a cozy towel, hopped in the shower. It's like super hot. I'm like, all right, something doesn't feel right. And I didn't know it at the time. And I reached over and grabbed the knob and I turned it all the way to cold and just took an ice cold shower after enduring the cold for so long. And it was because that I wasn't ready to stop the suffering because mm -hmm. this pain, this grueling feeling you feel, especially when you, if you're not used to running or doing a sport or, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur, it's going to suck. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough at the beginning, but it does get easier. So much so that it becomes a way of life and you don't know anything else. So that when it becomes what we would call easy, the easy now is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You want that pain. You want the suffering. But does it also make the hot shower feel 10 times as good sometimes? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm a normal person just like everyone here. Like, I love a hot shower. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Metaphorically speaking. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's a time and a place to, like, enjoy your spoils, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, we're all trying to get somewhere, and when we get there, that's, that's when you can do it. If you start enjoying it beforehand, you may never get there. Is it, f is it physical pain and endurance that drives you mostly because i know you have other projects that we've we talked about that you know an internet company is not yeah. physically grueling well maybe it is but oh, is that is that sort of your your go-to or what keeps I, you fired up i really think life's all about balance yeah yeah like you can't have one without the other mm -hmm. if you know if you didn't have work that's you know activating that part of your mind and working towards something then you're gonna probably take all that energy and put it into training or whatever it is. And then if you're starting to train a lot, then you're probably going to get injured. And now what do you got? Mm -hmm. You're just going to be unhappy. What does training for the Olympics look like? Well, because it's skiing, we don't have a lot of skiing around here in Nova Scotia. So it's uh, last winter I lived in France training there and I have a coach. He works for the French Olympic team. And what it looks like is, is nothing super different than training for a marathon except I have four years to try to get there. And the challenging thing with, the, with that is a training for a marathon, you're going to do that over three to six months. Training for the Olympics, you're doing that over four or five years. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it's just trying to like a slow burn and uh, stay focused and eat healthy. But in, in all, it's, it's no different than, than what we would train for for a normal race. What is building hotels in space? <laughs> we kind of glazed over that yeah. one. Didn't I'm, we? Like, I'm coming back to that. Yeah. I, I got to get a little. We have bit a friend more. who's building habitat for Mars. Yeah, so we can introduce yeah. you. Oh, that's cool. Then hotels in space are going to be like just like there's Hyatts, the Marriotts, and the Super Eights, and all these things. Like we're going to have all of those in space, every single one of them. How there's, far off do you think? 
uh, oh, we're less than 10 years, people. Well, but it's already there. He's like, it's exactly like like it sounds, hotels in space. (laughs) Yeah, like it's... Why is that crazy? Like the International Space Station, you can book a stay up there now. Like, and it's relatively inexpensive. It's not like hundreds of thousands. It's like thousands. Like, I think it's like $32,000. You can book a week's stay in International Space Station. Trouble is, the ticket to get there is is still millions of dollars. So if you want to jump on a rocket, it, it's quite expensive. But that's coming down dramatically. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I always make the joke, like, you know, if you want to go over to Vancouver for a business meeting or some crazy flying across the country to Europe or China or something, you know, you're flying thousands of miles to get there. Space is only 100 kilometers up. Like, you don't need to go that far. You know? mm. <laughs> like, it's it's a lot closer. I don't know. Like, we all need something to work towards, something you can be passionate about that, yeah. like, you know, will I, is there a guarantee I'm going to build space hotels? No. Chances are, no way. Like, odds are against me. I need lots of money. I need lots of talented people to surround me and a supportive family and friends. Is it all going to work? I hope so. Chances are, no. But is that a reason not to work towards it? Not in my book. Do either of you ever crave just laziness? Oh, man. Talk to us, Katie. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a hard question to answer. I, we we talked about this, obviously, before getting on the podcast, but it's like you crave it, and then when you have it, you don't want it. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, sit down, put Netflix on for 20 minutes, and then something doesn't feel right. I mean, I love naps. That's another, that's another <laughs> lazy. You're, you're good at them. I'm you know? good at, I'm good at napping. Um, my mind can't shut off. So like sometimes when I decide to take like a 20 minute power nap, just to kind of feel refreshed, I'm just lying there and my brain can't shut off. And so I don't take the nap. So to answer your question, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to give your body a rest and your mind a rest and, find other creative outlets that can stimulate you and, and challenge you in other ways that kind of count as a rest. But, um, I feel like, I feel like that's it for us. I, I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like walking the dogs, we have two awesome huskies. Um, you know, it's still productive, but it's not like it's, it's an outlet, right? Do you have hobbies that just take your mind completely off the things that you're focusing on as goals? Yeah. Yeah, we operate an Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) That's not stressful. (laughs) Um, Actually, one thing that I'm super passionate about right now is in the midst of the pandemic, um, we just wanted to get away and... I always wanted to pursue acting or kind of have more of a creative outlet with that. And so I looked at Brad and I thought, can I do this? Like, can I pick up way and work remotely and, you know, not look crazy to my team and take a full-time acting course on the weekends, like 30 hours and work Monday through Friday remotely four hour time difference. And he's like, yeah, you can. Like, Brad's like your biggest cheerleader, right? So it's like, <laughs> okay, if you think I can do it and you're willing to do it with me, like, let's go for it. So we packed up the dog and we moved over there for four months and it was the best decision. It was such a creative outlet and you took up skeleton for that short period of time as well. And that was a really good outlet for you. But um, coming back to Halifax, 
I've started taking more courses and um, I just love learning it. Like I, it, it just stimulates a different part of my mind. And for me, I think that's a really good outlet for, for balance for sure. Hells yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of acting are you interested in? Like Broadway or TV or all of it? Yeah, I really like um, film and television. Yeah, would be yeah. would be my pursuit. So that that's a goal um, that I'm I'm working awesome. towards. Yeah. How are you discovering these passions? Because they're different from one another, mm-hmm. and and also I'd like to also talk about just the support as a married couple with everything from travel to pets to logistics. I imagine takes up a lot of your conversation <laughs> time. Like, where are you going to be on Tuesday at seven? And so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about fi- deciding what you can take on in your life, especially with the breadth of things that you're taking on, how different they are and how that fits into a marriage and both of you collaborating in this. First come, first serve on the Google calendar. Yeah. Like she throws <laughs> something on there. I'm scared. She beat me to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she just puts four months in France in the calendar or something and you're like okay this is what we're doing now well, it's like we kind of do that too. yeah well I want to hear that's why I want to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. what's your method yeah, yeah I, I think um, we're pretty independent people yeah so like um, you know I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to France and, and train I don't know what Katie's gonna do mm-hmm. like if she wants to come she can come if she yeah. doesn't want to come she wants to pursue something else and she can do that so it's you're staying true to you as an individual. This is mm. important to me in my life. And you trust that your partner is just going to understand and support that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if there was a prenup, that would be in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think mm. the best advice that we were told before we got married was like, never expect to change the person that you met. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we don't have kids right now, but we also have had multiple conversations about what that looks like because... We're not just accountable for ourselves anymore. You know, if we want to have kids, like that shakes things up a bit. But how do we move forward? So awesome. (laughs) How do we move forward unconventionally where, you know, we still make sure that our cups are filled? Because if they're not, how are we going to put our best foot forward to support, you know, bringing kids into this world? So I don't think there's a secret sauce that fits across the board. I think every relationship's different, but. I think open line of communication has been our our best friend. Yeah, pretty brutally honest. Yeah. It's something that Mike and I have struggled with at times, being interested in lots of things like Mm -hmm. the both of you are and trying to determine where to allocate your energy. It's less about interest uh, or even confidence or the mechanics of reaching point A to Z and more about just capacity and feeling feeling like we're getting older like i feel mm-hmm. that in my body mm-hmm. um you know maybe better than than others who aren't physically active like we are and take care of ourselves but we're aware of having experienced burnout in the past and sometimes wonder if okay if we're doing a podcast and we're writing and we're creating art and we're traveling and we're doing all of these things are we really are we better off because of it or is one of these elements suffering or could have done better And that's where the competitiveness starts to kick in. So sometimes it's this internal battle of, would I be a better painter if I wasn't spending time doing these three other projects? But these three other projects are important to me, so it feels hard to let go of that. So I guess throwing this back to maybe you, Brad, because you're you're in the midst of training, just getting married. You're running a company. Like There's been 
a lot of different things on the go. Do you have that fear that something is going to give because you're putting energy into other parts of your life? Of course. Yeah. Like you can't always have balance. Like it's unrealistic to think that things are going to get even our relationship sometimes like, you know, be like, oh, hey. Like, nice to see you today. Mm-hmm. Like, because you just haven't talked to one another. And we both work from home. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, oh, man, there's there's just no way to make it perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you're, when you're, a goal is coming close and you really have to get a lot of energy. But um, that's really where your support system comes from. You can't do it yourself. Yeah. And I. I don't mean to quote Matthew McConaughey. I do love it, do him. It. I love yes, him. you do. Yeah, I love him. Um, he has a, a book called Greenlight, but he always talks about, um, or, or there's a speech that he did that talked about exactly this. And, um, you know, there's things that are going to be in the green light and things that are going to be in the yellow and things that are going to be in the red. And it's just constantly managing when those things are in the red, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your mm-hmm. business, your hobby, whatever. It's like you, you got to work towards getting that to a green light Mm -hmm. and it's a constant juggle especially for people you know who are creatives like yourself um i think the thought of letting something go that really fuels you if you can maintain it um for me it's like if it fuels your soul and and you know the risk of letting it go would be detrimental to that it's it's worth fighting for so it's like you know how do you just keep the balls afloat and and juggle the reds by trying to get them to the greens? It's just mm-hmm. not, it's just not going to be perfect all the time. I always throw it out there too that like just as an analogy, life life <laughs> yeah. is like a table. Also you know? by Matthew McConaughey <laughs> by, or uh, Denzel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like uh, life is kind of like a table, you know, and every table has four legs, and one leg is your, like your family and friends, the other mm-hmm. leg is your personal life, the other leg is your work. And um, the final leg is some of your goals and things you're working on. So if if one of those legs drops off, the whole table crushes. It doesn't matter if like mm-hmm. uh, if your relationship is crap, your family and friends is probably crap. Your work is going to be crap. It's like trying to balance everything out to try to make it. So at least those legs are hanging on. <laughs> yeah, and and something today that we chatted about was like there's a priority level within those two, right? Like I think it's really important that the dogs get out for a walk every morning and it's Mm -hmm. like you're you're that you're physically moving your body and that you're putting good foods um into your body and it's like there's a baseline there that i think should be checked every single day and then whatever you choose to do afterwards you just got to give your you know a a pat on the back for trying your best what's the next team challenge you guys have together (laughs) <laughs> you try. You went to the uh, Amazon. What's What's the next one? I'm hoping it's kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'd love to. That's the biggest one, dude. Oh man, <laughs> it would be so cool. <laughs> so cool. We'll have all of them on the show too. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always I, say I want like five or six kids, and Katie yeah. always scoffs at it. My mom had four, and you know, it's 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 uh. I don't know. Things are changing in, in this day and age. It's a lot to have four, four kids. It's a lot for a woman to carry four kids. Especially when you're 30 yeah. and starting. Yeah, I wanted five when I was younger. And as I've gotten older, it was really cool growing up with three older brothers. I, I think a, a big family is something I support, but I'd be good with like 
three kids, you know. Yeah. And, and we try to do things together. So on Wednesdays we play soccer, um, which is which is something that brings us together. And then Thursday nights is our date night. So mm-hmm. if there's something going on that we have to get it done, we can get it done. But if not, then it's like we try to commit to one another that, hey, this whole evening is for you and that uh, mm-hmm. that we're going to go do something that we wouldn't normally do. So not just going out to dinner, but adding something into that. Mm-hmm. Do you plan something in advance for the date night? Katie's much better at it than me. It's been hard planning a wedding at the same time, so we're just kind of getting back into the groove. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we try and proactively plan ahead. I have another goal question. Have you guys been taught a formula for reaching a goal? Or are you just following your own instincts and intuition? Yeah. Because some people, you know, like the SMART goal, for example, is something that's a common acronym that's used. Is that what you use? Yeah, you got to be realistic with your goals. Mm -hmm. They got to be smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I tell you, it, it always bugs me when people are like... I always want to run a marathon. Mm. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Run a marathon. It's like, yeah. I was like, all right, it's cool. So like the actual hardest thing about running a marathon is actually just signing up for it. It's the committing to running. It's not the training. It's mm-hmm. just the commitment of doing it. And before you can even set the goal, you have to commit to it. I find like that's the, that's the hardest part. I bring that back to manifestation often because I think there's a, this illusion that you can think about something. It's almost like making a wish. Mm. And because you're, it's great to have clarity, but without action, all it is is just a wish or a thought. And I think we've almost been taught that this idea of manifesting the life that you want can be as simple as just figuring out what that looks like. Mm. But, you know, back to feeling uncomfortable there's not a lot of maybe guidance put into well how do i take those steps and it's why i wanted to ask you about goal Mm -hmm. setting because people might look at someone like you and think that's just not possible for me yeah okay no i see where you're getting at and it's i think you know you you want to let people know yeah you don't maybe have to run a marathon maybe it's a 5k but the steps that you take are likely going to look more or less the same totally yeah it's like anytime okay so if you want to accomplish any goal in this world like pick the goal let's say it is the 5k first step is talk to someone that ran a 5k figure it out is this still something you want to do cool commit to it once you're committed to it awesome now you need to start putting in the time start doing the training following the steps and finally, expect adversity. Shit is going to go wrong. You're going to get injured. It's going to be harder. The, the day you're actually running your 5K, it's going to be raining. Mm-hmm. You have to go through those steps. And when it does start raining that day, you're already expecting shit to go wrong. So it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it really, it's just taking that goal and working your way backwards. And then I honestly think you can accomplish anything with that. And it feels like your values are at the core of all of your work, like starting and let's talk about Purple Cow for a minute, because that sounds less about I have the desire to run an Internet company and more about I want people to have access to important information Mm -hmm. and resources in our province. Well, when I moved back to Nova Scotia from San Francisco, I couldn't believe how much people were paying for Internet. It just blew my mind. And um, there was just one company that uh, that was doing selling Internet for less but they had really crummy reviews. They just didn't have the customer service piece figured out. I was like, man, if you could start an internet service provider that offered great internet and an amazing customer service, you would have a solid win. And, you know, we launched Purple Cow with the overarching goal to try to drive down the overall cost of internet. I don't know anything about an internet service provider. 
I don't I don't know anything about hardware or how all these pieces go together. Mm-hmm. Just like in running the first it's like that 5K, the first thing I did was started talking to people. How do you start an inner service provider? What kind of rules do you got to follow? Mm-hmm. You know, where's the approvals? Then you start going down that path and shit does happen. You have to expect that diversity and go through the steps. But, um, you know, the Purple Cow is, is a great, great business because it touches so many people all across the mm-hmm. Maritimes. And um, it it's not easy. Like, even now, like... And Katie can test it. I'm up at 11.30 at night, still plugging away, talking to people in the messages, writing code, whatever it takes, whatever hat that needs to be worn that day. And it uh, sometimes it's super easy a day, and we can go for runs in the middle of the day. And sometimes it's I'm up until 2 in the morning working. Mm-hmm. I know with Purple Cow, you're texting people mm-hmm. to communicate. Are, are you personally, like, am I texting with you? So there's a team of people, yeah. but I am part of that team right now. Yeah. It is really busy with Purple Cow. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a roller coaster over the past like two months right now. Yeah, The, the communication though is like okay. chef's kiss, yeah. like nope. really unprecedented way of customer service. Yeah. Like we're speaking to our generation. Like I don't, I don't think we want to call someone and wait on hold, like rather just shoot someone a text or go on a customer portal and just do what I need to do. Yes, and that's starting. And you know, when you start the business, that that's how we we envisioned it and wanted to build it out, and that's that's still how it is today. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not super scalable, and we're running into some of the issues because of that. But uh, we want to continue that kind of model for as long as possible. Do you either of you have a motto you live by? Oh yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, and then I, you can guess mine. Okay. <laughs> well, Brad's is life always works out. Nailed it. Mm. And um, I, I wanted to add to the goal setting steps that Brad had mentioned yeah. because this is a, a good motto that I I um, I live by is leave your ego at the door because it's great to have a goal. It's great to know the steps. But if you have an ego and you can't put yourself out there to embrace vulnerability and humility, you will never start. Um, so that would be mine. I want to. Tell me about what you mean by ego Mm. for anyone listening that might want to dig into that a little deeper. I feel like society feels like they have to be a certain somebody. Um, You know, they're afraid of judgment. They're afraid to be different. They're afraid to show the world who they really are. And the moment that you show up for yourself to work towards your own goal is the moment you open a door of so much possibility and opportunity, but ego is the one thing that will hold you back and, and, and being who you are meant to be. And that's how I would explain it. Yeah. I just started this five day artists online retreat of Mm -hmm. sorts. And so we spend an hour a day kind of in the learning process. And then you spend the next hour in your studio and the whole idea really is trying to shed the ego. They haven't used that language, mm-hmm. but that's what the experience feels like. Yeah. And it's really tough. I think especially as artists, when you feel like you've found something that's representative of you or, you know, you've quote found your voice and to be asked to do something completely different than that is so uncomfortable. And for me, what's been uncomfortable is because I don't, I don't want anybody to see this thing I've made that isn't good Mm -hmm. because we know how to make 
good good things that people apparently like and will buy. So it's so awkward to be asked to completely shed that. And then you're supposed to post it in this group and show everybody. And I'm like, I don't want to show you this. Like, it's terrible. And But that's the whole point of the exercise. Mm -hmm. But I, I've really been realizing how much I feel that discomfort in my body mm-hmm. about receiving the the judgment is what my words are of others meanwhile like nobody cares but it's made me even in two days realize like how much am I holding myself back or how much is my creativity suffering because I'm afraid of how it will be received by everybody else when it's so important just to, like who knows where this will go I could unearth this most incredible expression of myself if I just let myself go into it. It will paralyze you if you do not learn that. Yes, 100%. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I love acting because <laughs> that's like the first step to really, for mm. me, I think it, it, and I honestly think everyone should take an acting course mm. because it just totally puts you in an environment that is so uncomfortable. Um, for me, it's just, yeah, it's opened my eyes a lot more over these last two years. Do you intentionally put yourself in uncomfortable situations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think <laughs> to Brad's motto, life always works out. And it's just like, if you're excited about something or you're truly doing something for yourself and not anyone else, when you release that art or, you know, when you release that new sound, it's like, Show up for yourself. Be excited to just release it because you're proud of it. Mm-hmm. Who cares what other people think? Like, that's cool. <laughs> that's a great quote. Show up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, yeah. you don't show up for yourself, who would? No. Yeah. And and I think, I think going back to people who would look at someone like Brad being like, I, I can, I can never get to where you're at in success or like physical pursuits. It's like, the amount of stories that Brad has of, of not putting his ego first and just putting himself in a vulnerable situation, um, you know, the more that we can do that in and of this room and, and show people like, hey, like, you know, we we really put ourselves out there in these moments. We'll just normalize that that is how you get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I love chasing those moments where it's like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if people are, you know gonna support me or think I'm silly or whatever it's just kind of fun to see what actually happens when you believe in yourself and you show up for yourself how important is failing oh it's how you become successful like I yeah you only fail if you give up yeah hmm there's no such thing there's yeah yeah it's like that's how you learn um Oh God, I could talk about, uh, yeah, I could talk about that forever. Um, it's something that should be in your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're, if you're not failing, you're not even trying. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. honoring yourselves as individuals. Are you consciously thinking about being leaders and role models through your actions? Cause that's happening. I mean, even us in this room today, I'm very much just inspired to hear your stories and like your your willingness, your motivation, your commitment. It's, its you know, that could be see, perceived as almost intimidating to people, but maybe maybe that outward reception is just completely irrelevant at this point. 
Yeah, I I think we just love to talk with uh, telling stories and sharing stories. Um, I don't look at Katie or anyone else that is going out and doing cool things like yourselves as intimidating. And if if you do, uh, man, I feel like uh, <laughs> man, that's that's too bad because you really shouldn't. Like mm-hmm. anyone that's doing cool mm-hmm. things is is not trying to put themselves on a pedestal. Oftentimes, they're just following a passion. And if if you're following a passion, then you know, you should share it, talk about it. And to add to that, I would say it's people are just shining their own light. Like they're not dimming their light for anyone else. I just want to show up exactly who I am and be comfortable in my own body and just not care what other people think. And I think indirectly that may be intimidating to people, but when you can get to that point for yourself you know, you just, you attract people who are just like that yeah. and have amazing conversations like we're having today, right? Absolutely. Well, this conversation is going to inspire a lot of people. And yeah, our listeners, we have we have such a wide array of guests on here. And I think a lot of them are definitely inspiring. But just hearing the, the things you've done, and we didn't even touch on everything. You, you swam the English Channel, Brad. Like, there's yeah. so many, so it many won things. won the CBC. The Canada's, Canada's Ultimate Challenge. Challenge or yeah, is that Canada's what it's called? Yeah. Challenge, yeah. It's, uh, like, we're just tossing that in at the end of the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we'd we... normally interview someone just on that one point <laughs> of their life. Yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing. You're uh, Nova Scotia's David Goggins. Okay. I love that. I love that. <laughs> That's All it. right. Let's get go. that on a shirt, buddy. Yes. Put that on a shirt. That's cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you two are both amazing humans and uh yeah i'm so glad we got to have this chat and i know you inspired myself and Kristen just uh being in your presence and hearing your story and seeing how positive you are and just how you tackle any challenge just with open eyes and a willingness you know so it's uh it's amazing to see and thanks for sharing who you are and yeah being yourselves Oh, and thanks, guys. And thanks for sharing a little bit about your guys' stories yeah. as well. It's yeah, sure thing. And where can folks find We Are Young and become involved? Yeah. <laughs> Here's my plug. <laughs> um, they can find us on our website, uh, www.weareyoung.ca. And there's links to our other social media channels there for updates on stories and all, all the fun stuff. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Very good. What's well, your What's your best spot to be found, Brad? Oh, Purple Cow Internet, right? In the there you go. Yes, you know, <laughs> yeah. If you're not in the herd, join the herd. Let's yeah, go. Jump go. the fence. Love Pastures it. Is greener. So many tech. <laughs> Let's go. So good. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll put all the links in the show notes yeah. for folks to uh, keep following your adventure. So, thanks for making this one of yours uh, this summer. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers. What a chat, eh? Woohoo! I feel like I should cheer for them. Like I, yeah. I wanted to cheer on a few. Okay, yeah, there. Let's just do that. Yes, you guys. Good yes, job. you are nailing it. And I know that people listening will uh, take away some uh, permission here. When we yeah. shut the mics off, we talked a little bit about that being one of the more powerful things of podcasting is ourselves and a lot of our listeners just commenting on this word this concept of having permission or following the lead of other people's achievements so Mm -hmm. we know that's going to happen this week 
And uh, yeah, this, speaking of this week, I got uh, a couple shows. We go to uh, play one of the, our favorite shows of all time at the Boathouse, a secret location in Big Pond with some of our best friends. We look forward to that show all yeah, can't year. Wait. And then uh, Granville Green concert I grew up going to. It's going to be a super fun time. Is Granville Green over multiple weeks? Yeah, or? it's every Sunday every in the Sunday. summer. Cool. Yeah, because yeah. I've seen a few other acts post about it, and I thought, oh, yeah. I didn't think that was until next week, but yeah. that makes um, sense. Adam Baldwin played last week, yeah, I think. Yeah. And who else is on the bill with you guys? George Woodhouse. Yeah. Public oh, service. Yay, George. Yeah. We'll see you this weekend, buddy. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a guest maybe join us on stage to play some cello with us on a song a town hero song maybe a former podcast guest maybe if you're a dedicated listener you'll know who we mean yeah oh that will be beautiful and then shore club's not long after that yeah eh? shore club and pei shore club we want to get everybody out too we're trying to have a party of the summer down there august 11th get your tickets folks the townheroes.com slash shows Woo! the town heroes daniel james mcfadden and the public service again joining us on stage and the night's going to be hosted we just got to host uh poet jg lutz nice yeah so he's going to introduce all of you he's going to introduce everyone and then and say poem kind of before each, each set i wonder if he'll write a poem about the town heroes he might yeah. That'd be good. he's a creative guy We'll read it here, see if we can get a copy. Yeah. <laughs> I got a, one of his poems right here. Okay, so you're going to read it now? Look, just a little one. He, he handed out just a little card. Yeah, okay, we'll read it for everyone. Life. Just enough time to do a few things, but not all of them. J.G. Lutz. Wow. You know what? That is such a perfect conclusion for yeah. our guests today because... Uh, we definitely know that their ambitions will never come to an end. Yeah. So we'll just do what we can while we're here on Earth together. Enjoy it all, folks. Soak it all in. The dog days of summer. Okay, friends, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again next Wednesday. Much love. Bye.